Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the Cinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film, and this year's official podcast media partner for the Dead Center 2021 Film Festival. Now, of course, the Dead Center Film Festival is hosted here right in the heart of Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. But thanks to last year's virtual cinema that was launched as part of Dead Center's COVID-minded approach to uh, screening films last year, the scope of the audience really expanded far beyond just the Sooner State. In fact, last year, more than 40,000 people attended Dead Center Film Festival virtually with audiences watching films from 42 different states and 24 different countries. One pair of attendees in 2020 were the hosts of the Furloughed Film Talks podcast, a Dallas-based podcast dedicated to the latest movie news and reviews, along with weekly special guests to discuss and debate the present and future of the film industry. So today, I'm so excited to be joined by Alex and Ryan Kelly to discuss their Dead Center 2021 experience, including their favorite films, some of their most memorable moments, and what they hope to see more of in the future of Dead Center. So, uh, Alex and Ryan, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. Thanks, man. We are really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, this has been a fun weekend. Yeah, man, you guys have just been moving right yeah. along. Uh, we, we ran into each other at the uh, Friday night screening mm-hmm. um, out in Wheeler, the Wheeler District, uh, watching We Are the Thousand. And um, I, I feel like you guys have just been kind of all over the place ever since. I did a live show with you guys yesterday. Uh, yesterday. So this this episode's posting on Tuesday, but on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was on you guys' YouTube channel. Uh, but you guys have been catching all sorts of other films and shorts. Uh, tell me about your Dead Center experience. Well, the one thing we didn't do was ride the Ferris wheel at the Wheeler District. We missed out on that. Which, uh, yeah, that'll have to be next year yeah. possibly or just come back for the movies pop up we'll, we'll check out the ferris wheel while we're getting movies um but no this has been an amazing experience we've been to the tower theater the rodeo cinema mm-hmm. which we both really enjoyed with the oaky shorts yesterday we went to the wheeler district to see uh we are a thousand yeah and, and then, then out to booker t washington park to mm-hmm. see a thunder documentary and, and quest loves to, documentary we got to hang out with you on uh friday night after wheeler district at the prairie I, surf studios prairie surf studio by the way guys that was the first time i'd been in there that is a premier destination so it was super cool that we were able to that they you know invited dead center yeah. to party there and uh wow Wow, what a soundstage is really cool. That thing was huge. So just to be able to like to be there and see kind of what the future of Oklahoma film is going to be like that. That's what that right there. There's so much opportunity and so much room just to kind of blow up this industry. So uh, our experience has been amazing. Yeah, this it's been great. And it's, you know, there's so much here at Dead Center that we feel like we've only scratched the surface so yeah. far. So we have a full week of watching the uh, yeah. virtual version of it. That's yeah. And that's the craziest part is. Even though we we did a ton yesterday, there's so much more virtually that you can check out. Um, and yeah, we're going to be spending the next five days at home just pulling up the laptop when we get home from work and watching as much as we yeah, can. Yeah, definitely so, watching all the award winners and yeah, all the other good stuff. That, yeah, but this has been cool. And the, being able to come on this as well has been just an amazing experience. Yeah, man. Anytime I can get together with more podcasters, I'm all about it. It's uh, always uh, fun to just kind of see what other folks are doing, kind of hearing what you guys are doing. You guys have been uh, we're going to get into it here in a moment, but you guys have just been killing it on just interviews and the number of episodes you've been putting out the last mm. year. So we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, uh, but listeners, on that note, though, uh, this episode is posting on the Tuesday following the, the first weekend of Dead Center. Uh, you can actually still buy passes for Dead Center over at deadcenterfilm.org and watch 
all the films in the virtual, um, all the films that are available virtually, you can actually watch through an online portal at home at your leisure. You can, I recommend watching each film all at once, but if you need to watch it and take a break, if it's a feature film or if you're watching a shorts block, you can watch one short, take a break. Uh, you can share it with family members. There's a lot of opportunity, even though the, the party, uh, the, the in-person parties have largely wrapped up. You can still enjoy a lot of the perks uh, of the Dead Center Pass holders. So you can get those over at deadcenterfilm.org. Um, but I'm with you guys. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> we barely just scratched the surface of the way to do it. There are so many films, especially like in the shorts blocks, I personally haven't had a chance to get to. I'm really excited to do that uh, for the remainder of this week. Um, but with that said, I want to get to know you guys a little bit. And I thought there's no better way than to do that with... A little bit of an icebreaker. Yes. And uh, a conversation that was happening on film Twitter uh, for a whole two days a couple weeks ago. That I, but actually, that was a lot of fun. So I want to get you guys' take on it. Which professional wrestler turned actor do you think has the most successful career or a caveat there? Maybe not most successful. Your favorite career. Mm. The options I've got here. And if you've got another one that's not included, feel free, uh, feel free to throw them in. But the, the, the ones I had noted were The Rock, mm-hmm. John Cena or Dave Batista. So can I throw out Stone Cold Steve Austin? Wasn't he in a couple movies a while back? That Possibly. Were, yeah. Um, no, I think if you're talking about the most successful, it has to be The Rock. Uh, yeah, hands down. The I Rock mean, has done so much, and he's been all over the place. Um, he's now going to be in The Jungle Book, which is coming out, I think, next month. With Emily Jungle, J- Jungle Cruise? Jungle Cruise, sorry. Yeah. Jungle Cruise, that's coming out next month. Um, he had a tons of movies. He was in the Fast, Fast and Furious franchise. Um, he is the most marketable, you know, star going right now. He was uh, in Moana, so I think it almost has to be. Well, and it's almost a completely plausible scenario where he runs for president at some point too. Yes, that like, would be for sure. The that <laughs> could you imagine be one of the least crazy political yeah. things that happen um, in our generation. But but I think either uh, him, either him or Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> right, or Matthew McConaughey, you know. Dwayne the Rock Johnson ticket. I, I would not. Yeah, why not? Um, can, you, like, can you? One sec. Can you imagine 2024, 2028, Dwayne the Rock Johnson versus uh, Mike Pence? I'd, yeah, I'd love it. That'd be like no. the perfect scenario for our. <laughs> I'm trying to forget that. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> you just talk about mother the whole time. So right. that would be no. an interesting debate, though. At oh least my, for you? sure. All right. All right. All right. No, I think. <laughs> The one that is the most unlikely of all of them is Dave Bautista because mm-hmm. Dave Bautista not only he was in the WWE forever, but then he kind of made that switch and nobody, I think, really kind of knew what he was going to be able to do. And then he got cast in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and that really kind of showed what he was able to do, not only just action wise, but there was that comedic timing that I don't think a lot of people knew he had. Mm -hmm. And so that was able to show a different side of him. And then he's obviously just done army of the dead, which right for like a long time, he was, you know, just kind of a supporting cast member. Mm -hmm. And then Zack Snyder gave him a chance to be the lead in army of the dead. And I was, I was pretty skeptical of how that was going to go, but he pulled it off. Pretty well. Yeah. Even if the movie overall like is not the best, like the writing's not the best, I think. Oh, he cares that there's no bones yeah. about it. He's the he's the strongest thing about yeah. in, the, in the film, I would argue. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> so, there's the like negative reviews you can give of that movie have nothing to do with the acting. Yeah. So I think he definitely was I think he is by far the most unlikely of the like three. And so for that reason I think he's probably the most successful. 
of those three. And John, I don't know, like, has John Cena really, other than the only thing that I can really remember him doing is uh, Trainwreck. Well, and Fast and Furious movies, right? Uh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. Fast the first one. For, uh, F9 is going to be his okay. first one. Okay. Yeah. So like Fast other than his movie. Other, yeah, movie, the first one that he's going to be in. Other than that and a scene where he talks to Keith Robinson mm-hmm. about like wanting to do stuff in a movie theater next to Amy Schumer. Like that's the only other thing I can think of yeah. that John Cena has been in. One more though, Ronda Rousey could kind of get on this list too. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, you could you could you could throw her in the mix. Yeah, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying. To I want to give Dave Patricia a shout out though. Uh, that bit role he had in Blade Runner 2049, very impressive bit of dramatic acting from him. By the way, he was in the opening scene. He's the he's the guy in the very opening scene that Ryan Gosling takes out. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's really. I yeah. Go back and rewatch it. He's, yeah. He's, okay. It's very it's very subtle, but uh, I thought it was a really strong performance. Well, and Batista is about to be in Dune, so yeah. Yeah, but he's like, and that's going to be, I think, a pretty big role for him because the movie's going to be huge. Like, yeah, and it, from all indications, it's going to be an incredible movie. Yeah, hopefully. God, I can't wait for Dune. Are you excited for Dune? Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, I just mentioned Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That was probably my favorite movie of twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. and um, I think I just think Denis Villeneuve making like these very like. Uh, classic sci-fi more high-minded sci-fi i don't know how to say it without sounding like a snob but like you know he's not really he's not really a star wars filmmaker he's more yeah. of a star trek filmmaker uh, just like the level of um a, 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 like appreciation to detail and to tone and to setting that he's able to execute i mean I, I haven't seen a movie from him i haven't liked well yeah like arrival is probably one of my top Incredible. five favorite of, of like the last 10 years maybe not maybe like ever because i just I watched in that movie having like no expectations and not really knowing what was going to happen. And it blew me away the entire movie. I loved Arrival so much. Um, so, yeah. It's be exciting. Yeah. Dune's definitely most anticipated uh, yeah. movie uh, later this year. But So, who yeah. do you think is the out of the three? Well, I mean, I think David Batista is the, my favorite um, because the thing about The Rock is I actually think The Rock at one point in his career, I, I love The Rock, by the mm-hmm. way. I think he brings a unique energy that only he can bring. He's a movie star through and through, like in the same way Schwarzenegger was back in the day. This is a movie star. Like you cast The Rock to come in and do a very specific thing and he's going to blow audiences out of the water. Everyone's going to love him. He's going to nail it. Uh, so I do love him, but what I will say is there was a point where now he was never into like super dramatic acting, but he did take a couple of swings at it. Walking tall was a nice little, there was some drama there with a little, yeah. definitely a funny movie, but you know, there was a, um, more dramatic teeth to him. He tried faster, which was not a great movie. Um, but I thought he was trying to do, challenge himself in a way. I don't feel like he's done in a while. There was also, gosh, I want to sn- say it was snitch. I think there's a movie he played in with John Bernthal about uh, being a truck driver running drugs. Uh, I don't remember if that, I think Snitch might be the name of it. Um, but again, a uh, really great dramatic performance from him where I was like, okay, he's not like an A plus dramatic actor, but he's trying to get there and he's mm-hmm. pushing himself. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Whereas pretty much ever since then, he's just leaned full blown into like, you know, movie star mode, mm-hmm. you know, he's got wink at the camera, charming. And again, all that's amazing. And he's uh, clearly that's where, the money's at and that's where the audience like mm-hmm. adoration's at. So I don't blame him for going that route. But what I find more compelling is what Dave Batista's doing where he's sort of balancing it out. He's doing comedy. She did Stuber. Uh, you know, he, uh, he did guardians of the galaxy, but also again, seeing him coming up in Dune and Blade Runner 2049, 
Um, and, and even, yeah, even Army of the Dead, which, uh, again, I wouldn't say is like a huge dramatic role, but he brings a certain amount of like drama and presence to the movie that adds credibility to what I find to be a pretty mediocre to below average movie. But he he bumps it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of shows me that he's got that, you know, that th- those teeth. Um, so anyway, I, I find David Batista the most interesting. John Cena is a wild card. I mean, yes, he's in Trainwreck, but how could you forget Bumblebee? That's like the best Transformers oh, movie. Come on. Sure. <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen Bumblebee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, was it? Okay. Like I heard really great things about it, but it was, I, I think I've just gotten really soured on Transformers. Transformers? Yeah, yeah. By the time that came out, I think we were like, not sure we what's happening with the time these movies. With, yeah. So it was directed by Travis Knight, who has done some stuff uh, with Studio Laika. He did Kubo and the Two Strings, which is one of my favorite okay. movies of all time, like animated movies. Uh, just Studio Laika in general. Those guys are magicians, and I love it. Um, but uh, he came over and did it. Honestly, it's what the first Transformers should have been, like the whole time. like Because mm. it felt like a story about a girl and her dog sort of thing. you know. And it, but it, unlike the original Transformers where – it was Michael Bay, and it leaned into Michael Bayisms, yeah. uh, and just like really juvenile humor, and you know all the things he's known for. This actually, like, you really felt for the characters, you felt for Bumblebee, like there was weight that you, you and you felt invested. So, is it a great movie? No, but it's a movie. It's the best Transformers movie where I was like, okay, it knows what it is, it delivers on what I want, but it also like a good Saturday morning cartoon or soap opera. You feel invested enough to feel like mm-hmm. you care. Yeah, it's good for a trans. It's it was really good for Transformers. Who was the actress in that? Um, Haley Haley Steinfeld, yeah, okay. she's, and she's great. She's amazing. Yeah. Which she's gonna be in Hawkeye, which I can't. Yep, that's gonna. Uh, <laughs> well, at <laughs> least it's on. not gonna be hot. At least it's not gonna be Jeremy Renner Hawkeye anymore, and, and it's not even Jeremy Renner's fault. That character's just. Uh, he's he's like I think in the show in this show he's gonna be doing he's gonna be like he's gonna be deaf because like in the set photos he's got a hearing piece in which is straight from the Hawkeye uh, comic series I'll love to see how they explain that no idea okay no, no idea we'll have to stay tuned I really guys have been underwhelmed by Hawkeye as a character just in general I do like Jeremy Renner though so you know is it, is it more just of of a Hawkeye thing or is it bow and arrow thing I mean, it's a Hawkeye thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love, for example, Green Arrow, uh, a character from DC. I love that character. He, I mean, he was good enough to get his own WB show. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think has anything with the bow and arrow. It's just how you use him and how you utilize him amongst the Avengers, which is a challenge. I just don't think they pulled it off. No. Um, anyway, uh, so listeners, you now know a little bit more about the furloughed film talks, uh, folks, what their preferences are. But I want to get more into the history here. So uh, before we're going to talk all things dead center here in a few minutes. Um, but I really want to turn it over to you guys. Tell me a little bit about furloughed film talks. What is the podcast? What's the angle? Like, what, what are you guys doing? You got me to get into that or? Um, so you want to start out with kind of how we got started. Yeah. Um, I lost my job. So yep. no, nah, I, back when the pandemic started, um, I was working for a company doing marketing and about a, they were like, everybody go home. And then a week later, they're like, we're going to have an emergency zoom meeting. We got on the zoom meeting and they're like, everybody's furloughed. Um, so I immediately was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I had, I'd been off and on on a lot of different jobs for a while. And I finally just kind of was like, you know what? I want to go teach. I want to have something that like, I know I'm going to have every single year. I uh, got hired to be a teacher the next week and basically knew that for four months I was going to be at home working on the certification with a lot of time. And we've always been really, really big movie fans. And mm-hmm. so I decided, you know, I want to write about movies. I want to get more invested in movies 
Um, and so I started furloughedfilmtalks.net, um, started to put up a couple different things on the website. And then I think it was a week or two after that, Ryan literally came downstairs one day and he was like, we should, we should just do a podcast. Like we should like literally yeah. just sit around because we sit around and talk about movies anyways. And let's just, let's just try and do it. And it was literally this thing where we, we set it up one day or one night and just started talking. And it was, it was May the 4th and it was yeah. Star Wars day. So we just got into talking about Star Wars and it was about an hour later and we ended it. And we were like, okay, that was a ton of fun. Let's keep doing this and let's just, let's just grind and let's get these episodes out. And yeah, so I was blast. working, I'm, I work in accounting and, you know, we got sent home sometime in April and work was not too crazy. And we had obviously a tremendous amount of time on our hands being quarantined mm -hmm. for together, a month, a month and a half, however long it was. Yeah. Together up in little alone, Texas. Um, and so I was like, you know, he was starting the website. He was writing a little bit on it. I was tremendously bored with, with everything. I'm like, Hey, you know, we listen to podcasts all the time. Like we have pretty good discussions about movies and TV shows. Anyways, let's just set up a mic and, and do that. And, uh, it just so happened that I think, you know, a couple days before or the couple days after I had kind of pitched this to him, it was May the 4th. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember what movie, which Star Wars movie we reviewed. But we did. And we talked about extraction, I think. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, <laughs> then obviously the next day was Cinco de Mayo. So yeah. we watched the three amigos and reviewed the three amigos. I'd forgotten and, about that. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of started it at the, the perfect time and the worst time. Yeah. Because on one hand, there's no new movies coming out during quarantine. There's nothing coming out in theaters. Um, there's limited stuff being released on VOD at the time, which was like late April throughout May and June. Um, so we didn't really have anything new to review. But on the other hand, all the actors, all the filmmakers mm -hmm. out there had nothing to do on their side. So it was a little easier to get them to agree to come on a podcast that had very freshly made podcast, brand new podcast yeah. with less than 10 episodes. Um, so it worked out pretty well. And it was, yeah. And I think like the angle that we kind of go through for, and Ryan explains this really well, but we would go see movies at the movie theater. And then afterwards we would just walk out and we would be with a couple of our friends and mm -hmm. we would just stand outside and talk about the movie for mm -hmm. 30, 40 minutes to the point where we'd be in a, parking lot and the lights would turn off and it was like, Oh, we should probably go home. Um, yeah. And so that's the angle that we go through for is, Hey, we're just going to talk about movies like we would after we walked out of the movie theater, yeah. like we're friends and like we're buddies. And we've had our friends and you know family on to talk like that. Um, but the other angle is, you know, there are people who know this a lot better than we do, who are in the industry, who are doing this every single day. Mm. Let's talk to those people. Cause that's what, those, those people who are also movie fans like us, that's who they want to hear from. And we were really lucky. We had you know, Keith Robinson who did that scene with John Cena in Trainwreck. He was a super awesome guy. Um, we talked to Stephen Bishop and Eugene Cordero and all these different people who have a great you know, knowledge of what's going on in the industry. And then we were able to come to Dead Center a month after we started and we're able to get with all these people who are doing really great things in Oklahoma with the film industry. And so that was the other angle of it is getting those people who know what's happening right now in these industries and in these cities to kind of 
let other people know about it and giving them that platform. So mm-hmm. that's really what we want to do. Yeah. What we really like to do is, you know, talk about movies and TV shows in like really layman's terms. Like we're, we don't have any experience in the industry. Um, we have never done like really professional movie reviews or in-depth analysis, but just like you said, you know, we would come out of movie theaters and even though we live together, we would still stand, even if it's the two of us, we'd stand by our car for yeah. upwards of 30 minutes to an hour oh, and yeah. talk about the movie. Um, so, you know, that's what we do. We talk about movies and TV shows on a very surface level, like, did we like it? You know, do we like the acting? Did we like the writing? Do we like the the director uh, directing mm-hmm. in it? Um, and also, we really love talking about you know what's upcoming because like some of the best part of the movie going experience is the anticipation of you know hearing the rumor that a movie's coming out, yep. waiting for the trailer to come out, <clears throat> and then you know getting a first reaction and talking about the trailer, and then you have sometimes months and months and months with um you know before you actually get to see the movie and so you know we do do our reviews and our kind of analysis of a movie but almost 50 percent of our show is also talking about trailers and talking about um you know rumors of of who's going to be in what movie and who's going to be directing what and what's being adapted and that kind of thing because i mean for me at least anticipation of a movie is almost as good as seeing the movie itself yeah so We've had a blast doing it um, and getting able to do something like this where we get to meet you and having and the ability to come on and talk to other people about movies. I think this is by far the best part. Like this is the by far the, the greatest mm-hmm. thing that we get we get to do, but also, you know, the show is all about for us. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I love that uh, that conversation, you know, the uh, the stay in the parking lot until the the, the, the parking lot lights shut off in the movie theater parking lot. I've got that story. You know, I think, I think a lot yeah. of cinephiles do. I'd say a lot of people probably on film podcasast have a similar story where you're just, you feel really passionate about the, the thing. And, um, I think the, the beautiful thing about films is the conversations they create around the films. I mean, when you can talk for two to three hours after longer than the duration of a movie yeah. about things related to the movie, especially things that are actually more Re, I shouldn't say more real, but you know what I mean? Like have larger implications than mm-hmm. just, Oh, this was a cool movie. I like this acting for me. It's like, Oh, I know what, what is this saying about like the world? What, what is like, what, what is it that I'm supposed to take away from this? Oh, you thought this, well, I thought this, well, Oh, that makes me think of this. You know, that I think those are just really great organic conversations and, and certainly a, a big part of um, why we do what we do here at the cinematropolis and the cinematic schematic as well. Um, so you guys have been running for a little over a year. I mean, a month after you guys launched your podcast, you were already at dead center. So what would you say attracted you to dead center the most? I I think the proximity almost, um, Mm -hmm. it was, it was not only just the proximity, but well, also, you know, of course we want to be involved in any film festival Mm -hmm. and dead center. As soon as the, the pandemic started and the quarantine started, Dead Center took a huge initiative to make the film festival virtual. And so the accessibility for us to be able to see almost every single documentary or short film online. Um, and I mean, they, they had incredible stuff running last year, you know, oh, yeah. they had some great documentaries and great short films. So, you know, really the initiative that Dead Center took to make it as accessible as possible was like, okay, Dead Center wants us to be here. 
wants us to be involved, wants everyone to be involved with this. Yeah. They're not trying to make this exclusive like some film festivals do. Um, and, that, you know, that is going to attract. And I think, honestly, like, and this is going to sound probably kind of weird, but the way that the branding of Dead Center and the way that they market themselves versus, like, how the Dallas Film Festival is branded and marketed. Like, the Dallas Film Festival is very, like, she she and the colors are very like muted it's i think it's black white red mm-hmm. whereas like when you come to see the dead center film festival and their logos it is bright blue bright orange bright pink you know it is there in your face it wants to be fun and vibrant and so when i saw that on that website i was like okay this is going to be a really cool festival be, to be a part of and that's what caught my eye um and so that was really you know when dead and it, dead center was like the only one that was really doing anything virtual. It was the first one that was like, hey, yeah. we're gonna still continue to do this. And that was what kind of caught our eye um, at Dead Center last year. Mm-hmm. Awesome, so let's talk a little about this year's festival. I mean, we had an all-time high selection rate, including 30 feature films, and that's along with about 150 short films that were grouped into 18 different short film blocks of programming. Jeez. Uh, yeah. And that's the benefit of the, the virtual is it allows us to have even more movies that play, right? There's the, you know, the, the, the platform enables it so that there's, because the, the festival runs longer via the virtual, there's more time for more feature films. Um, and you're not necessarily competing, you know, Oh, we only have so many screens with X amount of slots and it. it's, Hey, we, we can actually get more out there. Some of these will screen in person. Some of them won't. Um, but I would, I just want to get like you guys take on the festival so far this year. I mean, what would you say has been your favorite feature film? If you had to pick one or a couple of your feature, favorite feature films. Um, I really, I'm trying to think what we've, Holy Fritz was really good. Um, that was the one about the stained glass window. Um, which I think that's going to win best documentary is summer soul up for best documentary here. Or is that part of. Um, awards. I, I think the they I think it is up for it. I think it but the they typically focus on the Oklahoma features. Okay. I could see Holy Fritz doing it. Uh we went and saw a bunch of the the short films yesterday. Yeah, we uh, I don't think we've got a <clears throat> chance to see a ton of the feature films. A lot films. of the feature films. Most of the stuff we've seen are the shorts and then the documentaries. We saw We Are the Thousand, mm-hmm. which was Friday night. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about that yesterday on um, our podcast, uh, which I need to get that episode out. So that will be out tomorrow. Um, but, or it'll be out Monday. And and that was a really interesting one to look at, kind of the love of music. But when we went and saw the shorts yesterday, mm-hmm. there was one that was, I think about two or three minutes long. It was called Phantom Power. Okay. And it had the very ending of it is one of the kind of creepiest yeah. things that I've seen in a short film I think ever in a while. I don't really know. Like, but that to me was one of the coolest things. But overall, with this year at Dead Center, if you are in Oklahoma City or if you have the ability to come out to Oklahoma City or if you have the ability to come out next year, like come out and check out this festival because it's not just one theater it's you can go out to rodeo cinema and have a really different kind of experience you can go out to a park and see a movie you can go out to the wheel district and see a movie or you can go out to the tower theater and really check out that area there's so many different places and so much variety out here that 
if, if you have the ability to come out for this week, one of those weekends, come out and check it out because it's so freaking cool. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Like wherever area you go to, there's also a ton outside of the festival to do, right? So like outside the Tower Theater, you can wait four hours to get a tattoo. Uh, at the Willow District, you can ride the Ferris wheel. Um, but so was that your favorite tattoo or body piercing uh, either or either, right? yeah wh whichever one you want um, was that your favorite short film the uh, the the phantom the phantom yeah oh, it's called phantom power um, oh what was the other one um, by the way there's always a line in front of that tattoo shop uh, yeah, it's, it's like a yeah. running joke it, it, at this point no 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 <laughs> it's, it is a, a here in uptown OKC for listeners uh, who are not from Oklahoma City or don't visit uh, uptown area right near Tower Theater where they are screening um, some some movies uh, one of the venues for the festival there's a an iconic like Oklahoma City like it's been there since before uptown really was built back up uh, where <laughs> there's perpetually a line yeah. I'm, I'm perpetually like like anytime they're an hour before they're open, an hour after they close every single day. It's, Is it's it like always, a rite of passage to go get like a tattoo? Or? I don't understand it myself. I'm going to find out because yeah. I always pass and I'm like, is this, this must be the, the place for people who are really obsessed with the tattoos. And I kind of want to go get a dead center tattoo there. Like I, it's, well, I, I want to do it just cause dead center would be very thankful if you did that and talked about it on social media. In fact, you could live stream the process. Yeah, I'll do it. Like I'll, I'll <laughs> we'll just put it on. YouTube. If it's like 50, 60 bucks, like I'll go do it. So I really want to know like how they do that, how they process so many people through to like a tattoo. Cause if you were going to tattoo, it's like a laborious process to get your arm shaved Get it cleaned, get it tattooed, get it wrapped. Is like the shaving part, the, the most laborious part. I love just the fact that you I, used the laborious, but I, I do appreciate it. Okay, yeah. uh, this is such a laborious conversation about. Uh, I, I don't know, I'm just making them tattoos. Tattoos. Um, Come here a day early or stay a day late next year, Alex. I want to see it. Tattoo. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be I'll there. I'll I buy you. Back. I'll buy you a beer while you're getting it done too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> do they let you drink? I don't. You get... I have no idea. You're <laughs> you're really not I don't. Supposed to. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I have never had a tattoo, so um, I'll take everything get, I have with a grain of salt. I'll go. I'll do it when I get the movies in a week and a half. Um, but no, my favorite short film by far was Pause the Game last night. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I wanted to bring it back. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed Pause the Game. I thought I'm such a huge sports fan. We all three saw it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so so pause the game was the Oklahoma yes. City Thunder short film that sort of documents the the evening of when the the Thunder game was quote unquote postponed indefinitely, uh, and sort of what the process of making that decision was like. You kind of get some behind the scenes and how the NBA makes these decisions. Like for example, I didn't realize that like the Thunder actually can't cancel the game like on their own. They have yeah. to actually be approved by the, the league to right. do that. Mm -hmm. um, had no idea what that was like. And, and I also didn't realize how down to the wire, like the, that information came because they were basically like minutes before the game started waiting yeah. to find out if a, a certain player had tested positive and they were just waiting. And then once that happened, they had to like run it by the league. Like it was a whole thing. So they got into the process, which I found really fascinating. Um, and I, uh, I also thought what was cool about that was the way they ended it. It's like, Hey, this was important because after the, this was like the moment, like nationally televised TV, everyone's like, oh, crap. Well, if they postpone their game, mm -hmm. this is serious. Well, now, the one thing that I found really fascinating was the phone call that they got where they found out the Gobert was positive and that mm -hmm. they needed to buy time. Like, imagine if what had been said on that phone wasn't what he thought it was, because all that the doctor got was a you know, this, he like got the, the slash across the throat, which usually means like, 
hey, like shut it down or pause it. Mm. Imagine if it had been something completely different. He's just like running out there and, and like stops this whole thing. Like, oh, and, like, yeah. Well, what? There was just like, like imagine if you it had been missed. the guy got off the phone and was like, hey, we have a positive. No, no. He was like, all he did was this and the guy like ran. Because that's it's how not much, very good communication at the uh, executive that, level. That's how little time they had was this is all he had. And he had to get out there and go because well, like the you rest said, there was literally minutes. walking up to do tip the, tip the ball. Off. Like, yeah. So it and that that to me was the craziest part is how slim of a margin they had in that instance. Like, I, at every step, it was yeah. like we got like they were just trying to figure out how to buy time with the, the yeah. crowd. Uh, I, I, yeah, and I mean, again, too, like this is like the the next day they kind of went through at the end. Like, obviously, spoil for the documentary, but this is a historical thing. Like, I. 2020 was obviously like a traumatic event for our country and mm -hmm. the actually you know the world at large yeah. um i would say and it's interesting I, I did an interview series three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic and you know the moment that came up amongst the 10 people i talked to the most was the night the game got canceled they weren't people who don't even watch sports like i remember the name the, uh, the i remember where i was uh I, got, I just got out of a screening of the invisible man and then i got the news notification that the thunder game had been postponed and i knew that's when i knew i was serious you know? i remember exactly where i was i was at it's called katie ice house in plano texas and we were they have tvs all outside and i remember just kind of out of the corner of my eye seeing this thing kind of pop up and they were showing the refs getting together and i was like what in the world and I saw postponed and I was like, oh my God, like what's, what's happening right now. Right. And over, over the course of a couple of hours, like canceled, this other game got canceled. And it was like, that's when I knew. And I think a lot, everybody kind of knew it mm -hmm. was like, this is different. Everything's about to change. Well, it's so Everything incredible because, you know, there were probably less than 50 cases in the U S overall mm -hmm. at that time. So to have a professional NBA player be the one, be one of the ones to test positive at that early, early stage of the pandemic. <clears throat> I don't think it could have struck closer to home mm -hmm. for a resident of Oklahoma City to say like, okay, this was happening in China, this was happening in Italy, but now it's you know it's one of these guys we watch day in and night, night after night and after night playing basketball. Like this is serious. This is now in our hometown, and you know. It, it had to be incredibly scary to have something like this happen that had never happened before, mm -hmm. right? To have a game canceled seconds before they tipped the ball off. Well, I, I think there's a clip from uh, from Mayor uh, the Oklahoma City's Mayor David Holt where he's like, "If it had happened any other way, it wouldn't have been as like impactful as a moment. It was yeah. because they the, because the case that the test came back right before the game, they had to make all this these calls right mm -hmm. like in real time before tip off. And that's why it was it was nationally televised and everyone saw it. You know, that and, and there was something to that. I was like, wow, because if they had just canceled the game, it would have been shocking and it probably would have had the same outcome in terms of like other stuff shutting down. But would it have had like this, you know, impact on viewers being like, holy cow, like yeah. this is a this is crazy. Because you had right. footage of them like having to walk off the court and and to 18,000 people who are in the stands who, you know, had to be told, hey, the game's being postponed. Um, it, they didn't really, when the PA announced, when the announcer said, we're postponing the game, please leave the stadium peacefully. He never said why. He wasn't like, yeah. you know, one of the players who tested positive, like the pandemic is now in Oklahoma City. He was just like, we're having to postpone the game and 18,000 people had to go home not knowing exactly what had happened. So, like, just say, in full transparency, we're Mavs fans, like yeah. not huge Clay Bennett fans, but 
The that was a little awkward last night when they were like throwing ball, like the uh, <laughs> Thunder cheerleaders yeah. and everything. Uh, you mean whenever the the Thunder the Thunder guy came out and said, "Any other fans of any other NBA teams, get out of here!" No, you I, I literally went, and then he was like, "Get out!" I was like, "All right." <laughs> uh, so, but when Clay Bennett came out and sat with the fans and the governor, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. acted like not acted, but was amongst the fans when that announcement was made public. I thought that was great leadership, and I thought that was a really great way of handling that moment. So right. I, I thought, and the way that they presented that in the, the short film was That's great. That's actually a really good point. I, I don't, the leadership, uh, governmental-wise, and of the team, mm-hmm. probably handled that situation better than almost anybody could. Like, this yeah. has never happened before. It's completely unprecedented, and they handled it handled it in almost like the perfect way because and here's here's the weird bad awful thing jerry jones would have let them play immediately if he, absolutely and jerry jones would have gotten if this was the nba he would have gotten adam silver on the phone convinced him to play the game yeah and then you know if adam silver had made him postpone the game he would have Lost his, you, you, you know, know what? what? Yeah. yeah, and just gone on a firestorm yeah. in the press about it. So that's just one example of somebody who would who would have been like, "No, we're going to keep playing because the sport's more important." And it's right, but mm-hmm. the Thunder, well, his money. Well, well, they even money. said in the documentary, like, "Hey, this is bigger than than basketball. Exactly. This is like a, a health safety risk." Yeah, you know? which again, I think is well. It was a wild year last year. Kind of hearing that was the thought process at the time, kind of reassuring you that that's <clears throat> quality leadership. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, th- I thought that was a great documentary. It was probably one of my favorites as well. And it, just because I kind of go back to, you know, the old saying, like, uh, I remember I heard when 9-11 happened, they're like, you're always going to remember where you were when the the, the, the planes hit the towers, which is true. I'm, I do. I, would, I know exactly where I was at. And the same way my parents remembered where they were when JFK got assassinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do think this is the closest we have in terms of, like, the 2020 pandemic, the closest you have of, like, a historical moment where everyone, like, just had a realization and I'm not like a huge sports person, but like you understand like the ramifications of them yeah. pulling a game in real time on live television is just insane. Well, yeah, I don't remember where I was when Tom Hanks got diagnosed with COVID. So that was like the big one. That was it. That was a big one yeah. early on. Yeah. Was that before or after the thunder? I think it was after it was yeah. after. Yeah. It was a good bit after. That was a huge thing. Like, he, but like, and that's why, like where that was, Oh, like, Omo, like he has and, it, where this was a huge moment. And actually the Mavericks had a similar situation happen because uh, the owner of the Mavericks, Mark Cuban, there's a um, video of him sitting in the stands. Yeah. And they, I think the Mavericks were also having a game that night when mm-hmm. the Thunder got postponed. Yeah. But they were like, well, much. Like, they were in like the second quarter. No, the game hadn't started yet. The game was starting like much later than the Thunder game. And Cuban like got the text from somebody that the the Thunder game had been postponed, and actually it might have been a little bit after. It might have been when they actually like shut down the season, and Cuban got the text yeah. that the season was over. It was over because he right. was the game was going on, like the okay, game was yeah. going on, and he got the message, and he was like he he reacted like oh my god, and so yeah, he's like I, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember when the Thunder thing happened, but I do remember seeing on social media, the video of Cuban, like getting in a text and then in classic Mark Cuban fashion, like running around and freaking out about it. Yeah. Like <laughs> Michael Finley next to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but I mean, like, I, I also thought coming out of, you know, this being the, the, the year after 2020, again, we're not fully a hundred percent out of this pandemic mode, but we are certainly 
much further along and and, and uh, closer to the end of it than we are at the front of it. So seeing that play as part of this year's Dead Center as a retrospective, I think is just another really great way to say, hey, we, it's okay. We can process what happened, guys. Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy, and I thought this was a really great addition to the festival uh, for that reason. Well, I think the way that it ended, where it was like you know next season or the 2021-2022 season, we are expecting 100% capacity, and I thought that was a great way to kind of end on a positive note, where you have 22 minutes of this very harrowing moment and a lot of background on it. Let's leave this on a positive note because things are looking up. This last year did suck, but we are getting better. Everything is getting better. So I thought that was a great way to end the documentary. Well, and also kudos to the, the NBA. They actually finished the season in the bubble, which again, yeah. I, I thought, uh, again, Wait. there was a lot of different, the, every league kind of tried a different thing, but the bubble mm-hmm. seemed to be the most foolproof uh, and I methodology. Give Thunder, I give the Thunder credit. They didn't have a single positive test this whole season. And that I think that's impressive. And out of, what was it, 30,000 yeah, tests something, or something? something they, they had it at like the end credits the number of tests that the players and coaches and everyone had taken under it was zero positives. And that's, yeah, that's really impressive. So, so yeah, that was pause the game. Obviously we have got, it made a quite an impression on all of us. Uh, I I would say I was definitely among my favorite short films uh, as well, just because again, it's uh, last year, I feel like we're going to be processing the events of 2020 for, decades at this point the rest of our lives probably yeah, probably yeah. um but this is like another one of the documentary that i think in a good way without being like total totally confrontation uh confrontational was also like guys this happened this was a really important moment yeah. here's kind of what, what it looked like it's documented um and here's sort of like what we took away from it looking at back at it you know over a year later um so any other do you guys have any other films or short films uh, you want to shout out before we kind of move on in the conversation yeah i have two from the uh short films yesterday um the Skullcrawlers, which is a, I, I should have looked up their names, but it's a pair of. Um, I followed them on Instagram. They, yeah, guys that do horror films. Um, and they started actually during the pandemic last year. Um, they, you know, like everyone had a ton of time on their hands. So they set up a camera and started doing uh, horror short films. Um, it is Orin Ponkilla and Carrie Thomas Cody. And they had a, which is really a really unique concept, an anthology series within a short film. So, the, and the way they structured it was, how many? Do you remember how many it was? Three, three. Mm-hmm. So they had three different um, short films based on a classic '80s horror concept, like Carrie or Aliens or Killer Elves. Killer Elves, which I don't, might have been. An 80s thing um at some point and then but they uh, and the name of it was the writer's room and the way they tied these short films together was showing them actually coming up with mm-hmm. the uh concepts of these short films over pizza and beer yes right so it's just two guys hanging out and you know they i, I think they were watching something and they're like oh we could do better than that yeah they're like, watching oh, well. like a made-up like a horror movie and they're right like, this movie sucks and, and like, like, well, they could do better what do you got and one of them yeah. would start describing a short film it would fade into that um that was really fun and then um you're not safe in your own bed yes was Probably out of everything I've seen in um, Dead Center this year was the best shot. I sh- best shot films like cinematographically, Cinematography, and yeah. it, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful short film. The um, 
premise of the short film was basically centered around sexual assault within um, a college environment and kind of the emotional uh, toll that would take on somebody mm-hmm. and how you know a young woman would deal with that, who she would tell, how she would process um, going through that experience. Um, and it had a beautiful kind of look at that kind of experience. But my God, like the um, way they shot the film was absolutely beautiful. I, yeah. I really liked that one. So that was that was a really good one that we got to see at the Oki Shorts yesterday. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, we've we've saw, we've seen some good stuff, and we're going to be watching a lot more stuff over the next week. So I, Dead Center has been very good to us so it's been far. Fun. Yep. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, again, uh, just I'm blown away by the number of uh, film options we had this year, and it looks like uh, in some form or another, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But Dead Center is going to continue to incorporate some aspect of the virtual into the the the, fu- the festivals of the future. So outside of the films, though, I mean, you've mentioned a bunch of the locales that you guys have hit up, which has been awesome. Has there been any specific experience that has stuck out to you the most? Do you have one? My immediate reaction is to make jokes. So I was going to be like um, driving around Oklahoma City. But now, like, I don't know. The Congo line. Friday yes, night. the <laughs> line Friday night at, was great. at the Prairie Surf uh, Media, yes. uh, uh, the the uh, Friday night party where we had sorry pra- Prairie Surf Studio, excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. There was, I think, uh, you know, dead center things tend to get a little crazy. The uh, later it gets there, there was a giant conga line. Right, right? it was about twelve forty five at night, uh, maybe almost two hours into the party, and a impressively long Congo line yes. uh, got going. So no, that I, was fun to see. I think the thing that sticks out for me the most um, is what was, we, we obviously went to see the Oki shorts yesterday, but they then did the Q and a afterwards where they got to talk with some of the filmmakers that were in the, the audience. Um, and so they kept, that got brought up and they just kind of talked through some of the behind the scenes of what happened with their shorts and to get mm-hmm. more. The thing that I always love is to get more, background on each of these people and to kind of understand where they come from. And I always find that really interesting because when you go see a movie in a movie theater anywhere, you're not getting to see who made that movie unless you do a ton of extensive research and watch a ton of videos. But when you're at a festival like that and these people get brought up and you're answering questions and they're, they're giving you more background on the process of what, how they made that movie, like the skull crawler guys, you know, they talked about they just wanted to start their own movies and they wanted to make their own short film. And so they started it during the pandemic. Getting that information was really, really cool. So I think that's something that really stands out to me. Yeah, I would say actually overall, the people, not only the people who have been running Dead Center, mm-hmm. but also, you know, everyone last night at Booker Teen Washington, everyone at the yeah. Wheeler District, everyone has been incredibly nice and incredibly welcoming. Yeah, um, You have been great, you know, welcoming us into Oklahoma city and onto your podcast is the, the, you know, just friendliness and welcomeness of everyone involved with dead center has been incredible. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway Yeah, is just, it's been a fantastic experience coming up here and being a part of it. I mean, I, like last night, um, I went to kindred spirits for the after party, went by myself and was kind of like, I think I'm just going to be there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Jet out after, stood there for maybe two minutes and I just said something to somebody like he had a Paramount picture shirt on. I was like, Oh, I like the shirt. We talked for two hours. There you go. So it's, I, I, I was like, Oh, do you know Caleb? It was noble uh, banks. No, noble banks. Yeah. 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 And no, so no. 
like I was just talking to, I literally just talked to him and then I talked to, um, and I'm blanking on his name now, so that's awful. But um, he, Noble is a TA at Metrotech and it was, yes. the teacher was also there. And Jacob's so, novel? Yes. And uh, so yeah. we, were, we were talking with him and we just, oh, literally, I, I think I got there at 11.45. I didn't leave till 1.45. Um, and we just talked for two hours about movies and film and everything going on. So that, I think that shows how inclusive and how welcoming everybody here is. I just was by myself and just said like, Hey, and then they had, we struck up a conversation. So, um, yeah, that's that. Maybe that's the biggest takeaway that I have. I'm going to change mine. No, that, and that's really cool. And I, I, we talked about this on your show a little bit and so it won't be a little repetitive, but I mean, I think one of the reasons I personally planted a flag here, uh, you know, in Oklahoma film and, and dead center in particular is there is that friendliness. Everyone sort of wants everyone to succeed and it's not, no one's really above anyone else. You know, they just want to talk in here. If you got a cool idea, you want to pitch, you can pitch it to someone. So these parties, you know, no, people aren't going to blow you off, you know, and, and some, sometimes the larger film festival, it, it, it gets a little more, um, people are starting to look out for themselves a little mm -hmm. bit more. I would say in my experience, it's a little well, more stratified. But that's what they the, said yesterday in the, in the Q and a, somebody said, it's not competitive, it's collaborative. Exactly. And I like that. I like that mentality a lot where, it doesn't, you don't always need to be competing and these types of things. You can, you can be collaborative. You can share ideas. And so I think that's huge. Well, and, and the thing is, at least in the, the filmmakers I know there, it's tight knit community. People know what other people are working on. And when they see their, one of their, their peers have a success, they're like, Oh man, I can't believe this person got to do this. That's really cool. And instead of being like, well, screw that guy. They're like, or screw that person. Or, oh, I got to one up them. Like, it's like, I got to do better. I got to get on their level, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they, and they, you know, that share that knowledge yeah. too. Again, like everyone really is trying to get better and grow as a, a community, not just as a specific individual or specific team. When I got it, I got to shout out one person, uh, crystal who does the PR for dead center. Oh yeah. Crystal amazing, amazing, amazing person. She, she, we, she came up yesterday while I was there and we were just talking and at some point she was like, you're, you're a part of the dead center family now. And so just that like mentality where it's not, oh, it's a festival. It's like, no, this is like a family atmosphere. Like, so just to hear that type of thing was like, oh, like, thank you. Like that means, that it's means really a nice. lot. Like that does mean a lot where it's like that, that's really, really cool. So, um, that is the mentality here and it's, it's great to be a part of. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm super excited that the, you guys have had a, a similar experience to, uh, I think, a lot of folks, myself included, coming around in 2014 when I started work, you know, covering the festival and, and people just, yeah, what do you do? What, like, what, like, how, how do you like movies? What brought you to the festival? What, what are you hoping to achieve? You know, I think that's um, really what highlights it. And one of the thing I want to call out there just to add on to what you were saying is uh, the, all the volunteers uh, at Dead yes. Center this year. I mean, we mentioned a few of the, the the incredible staff members, but the volunteers, people who are putting in their blood, sweat, and tears mm -hmm. just to ensure this festival is happening. Um, everything from sort of like taking tickets uh, to you know watching doors to helping uh, films get where they need to go, uh, wrangling people at some of the in person events. Like the the volunteers are also doing just an amazing job. So uh, shout out to you all, all of you volunteers that that are listening. Uh, now I have to say, what is it you are hoping to see in, in future years at uh, Dead Center or even just other film festivals in general? Um, I I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of these new facilities that have been popping up in Oklahoma city, like Prairie store studios. Um, once that gets fully built out and once they actually start recording there, it's going to be really interesting to see what, um, how many more like literally from Oklahoma city projects get into dead center. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I hope more and more people 
are become aware of Dead Center since you know they have carried on the accessibility from 2020, have kept a lot of it virtual. Um, I think you know just more and more people are going to hear about Dead Center and be really really interested in being involved with it moving forward. What, I, what I'm looking forward to is having these venues be maybe utilized is definitely not the right word. They're being utilized great right now, but like getting to be in the tower theater more and being, Mm -hmm. getting to be in the rodeo cinema more and, and having it, obviously the virtual aspect is great, but having more of those in-person events, there was quite a few this weekend that we got out to. I think we went to, we went to three yesterday, two yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like getting to do just that after the last year is amazing, but having more next year, because I think I've heard several people say like, we're going to be doing even more in-person stuff next year. So that is something that I think with what he, with with what Ryan was saying, where everything that is happening in Oklahoma, where there's going to be more Oklahoma projects coupled with all these new in-person, you know, events happening. I think that is what can be really exciting for the future of this festival, where we can start to get a lot more people to come in and be very interested in traveling into Oklahoma City to see these events and to see what's happening here. I think that's what's really exciting for the future of this event. Mm. Well, very cool. Gentlemen, it's been a a pleasure having you uh, as part of the Dead Center family this year, just getting to talk with you guys here about your story, uh, hearing you guys coming up from Texas just to check out the festival. Really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing you in future years as well. Uh, Now, I I do want to close out, though, with uh, a quick question, you know, not necessarily Dead Center related, but it's been your, I mean, your furloughed films came out of a, a year of things getting put on hiatus or hold or closing jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of filmmakers got furloughed as well. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it now that things are really starting to crank back up? We had a Quiet Place Part Two come out. We've got Fast Nine coming back out. We've got Black Widow. Fine, like these movies that have been we've been getting marketed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been marketed to us for, for like two years. years. Yeah, uh, that we're finally coming out, and it feels like okay, I can actually really start to look forward to things again versus like this nebulous, I guess I'm excited. Um, So like, what would you say is a movie you're most excited to see this summer? Or we can even extend that and say uh, later this year. Eternals. I am so looking forward to Eternals. Um, That might be, might not be the best answer because it's like a, Marvel, you know, you can say whatever you want. Hey, okay. But to be fair though, it is a Marvel film, but this is the Eternals directed by Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Who has never made a movie that's more than like $2 million. I don't think. Uh, And she has a very distinct natural, a very distinct approach to filmmaking that is nothing like a Marvel movie. So and yeah, blew exactly. Kevin Feige's mind away when she was like, "I want to shoot outside <laughs> in natural lighting." Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know we haven't gotten we we have gotten Marvel TV shows for the past like six months or so, um, but we haven't gotten a Marvel movie. By the time a Marvel movie or by the time Black Widow comes out in July, it's going to be a full two years in between Marvel movies. Um, you know, I'm, we're definitely looking forward to Black Widow. We're definitely looking forward to Shang Chi and Spider Man. But I think Eternals is going to be such a new property and it's going to be a just ridiculously exciting new direction for Marvel Mm -hmm. to take. Not only is it branching out into this very kind of uh, cosmic mystical um, 
type of Marvel property. It's also bringing in Academy Award winning director and Chloe Zhao to do something we probably have not seen in the Marvel universe yet. So um, I have a long list of movies I'm looking forward to, but that is definitely at the top of the list. Space Jam 2. <laughs> Space Jam 2. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I can't wait to watch it. I, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, but I, yeah. I'm i morbidly curious right. is the right word. Nah, uh, You're fired, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see that movie. No, I, it's I'm going to really, be fun. I'm really interested in, um, obviously, Eternals. Um, another Marvel movie is uh, Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. No Way Home. But I think what I'm most interested are to or most looking forward to are two um keanu reeves movies i can't wait for matrix four yeah because there's like no details about it there's no, no there's not even a poster yet this is coming out in december guys this is gonna be out in like six months exactly. allegedly and there's nothing for it nothing so that to me is very intriguing on what not only like what the movie's gonna be about but really what are they gonna like release like what information are they actually gonna give us i would be if they just leave like super vague teasers and posters, I'm all about it. I actually would love to not know anything. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think that'd be really, really cool. Like, they would never do this, but like, just put a poster out a week before the movie came out and be like, yeah, it's actually coming out. And then people would be like, what is actually about? What are we about to walk Would I would put like, you know, anything on the poster either? Just put the Matrix text on yeah. the poster and be like, Matrix 4, December, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's really intriguing because we are so close to that coming out and there's really no information and then guilty pleasure, John Wick four, like, Oh, that, that, that one's a ways out though. That's yeah. like 2022, but I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. I like it's filming I, right now, I think, right? Yeah, it's right now. And they've been announcing some different cast members for it. Um, but those movies are just a wild action packed, ridiculous. Like it, I love that movie. So those movies so much and they put a Dallas Maverick he wasn't a Dallas Maverick back then, but he is now. Boban Marjanovich was in the first couple minutes of John Wick 3. Mm-hmm. He got killed with a book. Um, so he put pretty, up a really cool. good fight, though. Yeah. yeah. So I think those are the two that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the most. I think those are both great selections. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about Dune. You mentioned that one earlier. Yeah. Super excited. Also, The Green Knight. Uh, that movie that was supposed to play at South by Southwest... March of 2020 is finally coming out at the end of July in 2021. Super hyped about and that. That's actually by a Dallas filmmaker. Yeah. Um, uh, Lowry. Yeah. Uh, David Lowry. He's yeah. Dallas based. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Well, he's, from he, he's from, he works out of Dallas. Sometimes he's from Dallas, but yeah, he does the majority of his work actually out of Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but he went to high school in Irving, which is a, a suburb of Dallas. It's actually cool. where the Dallas Cowboys used to have their stadium. Yeah. Um, and I think his, I think his Sailor Bear Studios is his yeah, company right. or something like that. So, But he did a ghost story. Ghost uh, story is great. Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best of all these like Disney live action adaptations, I'd say. The most interesting anyway. And then he's filming Peter Pan right now. Is he really? Yeah. Like and a live. Or it's, I think it's. Peter and Peter Pan and Wendy or something, but it's it's like a okay. Peter Pan live action movie. He was loosely involved with um, Jockey, which was yeah um, Ryan. Uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his last McDermott. I think I don't think that's right, but it has um, Clifton Collins Jr. in it, and which we saw as part of South by Southwest. No, no, that was Sundance. As part of Sundance, right? Um, 
And it's going to be released this autumn or this fall. This fall from yeah. Sony Pictures Classics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and yeah, that's, that's another Dallas-based filmmaker. So Very cool. I also always forget that uh, Lowry did uh, The Old Man and the Gun, which was a tremendous movie. Oh, man, yeah. It was a great one. But Green Knight, I, I forgot about that one. That one is yeah. probably at least top five. Of- I don't want to get too far off, but do it like – what really is that about? Because like I've seen the it's about the Arthurian legend, the okay. Green Knight. That's okay. all. I, that's all I need. And I and I know the concept is yeah. it's going to be a weird David Lowry twist, and not like that's all I need to know. The okay. trailer is great because like I watched it and I'm like, okay, like I think I kind of understand where it's going, but then like the last ten seconds of the trailer, I'm like, I don't know what in the world is going to be happening in this movie. I think it's loosely like the the knight loses about against that giant tree, okay. and then he has to like go. Avenge some I'm so in. Never mind. I don't I don't need, to, I don't need to know anything more. Uh, than that. And it's starring Dev Patel, who I think is yeah. an under greatly underrated talent. He is. I uh yeah. That's I would say like I'm excited about uh, yeah, Dune's Dune's kind of a special one because it's not weird space between it is a huge studio blockbuster that's made by an independently minded filmmaker yeah. that I still can't believe he's getting two hundred million dollars to to make it. But <sighs> that one's kind of a weird one. It's but good. I mean I know it's incredible. I hope it keeps happening. I really hope it's a, a hit unlike Blade Runner, which was incredible and it was not a blockbuster or a box office hit. But um so that's kind of the exception, but I would say outside of that, uh, you know, I'm excited about the MCU movies. I'm excited about fast nine. I love those, but I, I will say the movies I'm most looking forward to are those like indie films that I heard about either. Maybe it wasn't even a trailer. Maybe it was just a poster or we have like one teaser for it, you know, a couple of years ago. And it's like, all right, let's get back to seeing some of these in the theater because they just haven't had a, 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 a like they, there's been far fewer like a 24 type movies that have come out through the via the pandemic during the pandemic there's one that was a a trailer yesterday there was a poster in the rodeo cinema called werewolf watching um Mm -hmm. that looks interesting i'm rare like the cast is pretty good so i'm I'm ready to check that out the next six months are going to be jam packed with movies coming out we're gonna be busy especially really busy the october number november december time frame it's gonna be it's gonna be fun very cool well uh Alex and uh, Ryan, this has been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Just get to know you and hang out with you guys over the weekend. Is there, where can our listeners keep up with you and your work at furloughed film talks? Yeah. So we, um, the website's furloughedfilmtalks.net. If you go there, all of our episodes are listed there. Um, if you have another place that you like to have listened to your podcast, we're available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, um, pretty much anywhere you want to listen to your podcasts. Um, if you want to check out our YouTube, it's furloughed film talks, subscribe, we live stream, um, from there pretty much every week. Um, we have our Instagram, which is at furloughed film talks and then Twitter at furloughed film. Um, furloughed is F U R L O U G H E D. Um, so definitely just come let us know, uh, what you guys are interested in hearing be talked about. Um, we definitely try to put some polls out and some stuff. We record live usually every wednesday mm-hmm. and our episodes come out every thursday every thursday so yep. yeah we've, nice. we've got a lot coming up we've got a lot we're hopefully going to have on um the direct director from 12 mighty orphans um sometime this week and put that out so we've got some exciting stuff coming up mm-hmm. very cool listeners check them out uh guys it's been a pleasure speaking with you today um so um alex ryan thanks so much for joining us on the cinematic schematic hey thanks so much for having thank us thank you for having us man this has been awesome Wonderful. And listeners, the Dead Center Film Festival is still running all the way through this Sunday, June 20th. And while most of the in-person events have concluded, there are still all these wonderful films that you can catch um, on 
the virtual cinema and you can get your passes over at deadcenterfilm.org. So if you were interested in any of the films that I talked with Alex or Ryan about, go ahead, head on over, buy a pass. You'll have a few days to watch all of the, the great films, both narrative, documentary, and short film. And if you are in the Oklahoma City area, I do want to encourage you to, to buy a pass and plan on checking out Mickey Reese's Agnes, which is playing as part of a special one-night-only screening at the Rodeo Cinema on Saturday, June 19th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, now, Mickey Reese's Agnes uh, actually had its world premiere at Tribeca, so this is a, a rare opportunity for you to get to catch it that closely to its world premiere. Uh, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's going to be a great time. And for more thoughtful conversations that excite, inspire, and connect filmmakers and film enthusiasts across the state of Oklahoma and beyond, you can subscribe to The Cinematic Schematic via your preferred podcast app, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever your podcasts are found. You can also head on over to deadcenterfilm.org for more information on any of the films we talked about today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you again next time. 